dominance basketball now down again. Done to the cup. Gets it up to Rosso. Throws it down with love from Wyndham, New Hampshire. A chance for Providence to tie this game up with a three. Under two and a half to play in the first half. That sets the screen. Cotton, the pull-up three. Target! South. Hawkins down. Great response by Patton. 10-2, Friars run. Denied defense by Creighton right here. Here's Bass. What a play by Bass. And the foul. Here's the bait. And the shot is good. Ted Bancroft. So the Friars are getting dividends from DeRozier. Bancroft with Goldsboro. The bench is getting the job done. Fortune. Three. This is special, guys. Providence, hold on. Looking for their first title since 94. Creighton trying to climb the mountain. Cut to hit. 10 to shoot. Hit. Fires. Midrange. Trying to get it something quickly. Here's McDermott from Omaha. And a foul. Chapman rebound. Congratulations to Providence. It's been a long journey. I'm so proud of our players and uh, to persevere the way we have all year. I couldn't be more grateful. The one guy that's in my mind right now is Al Spinner. The last time we won a biggest championship, he was the head coach and I learned so much from him. I feel so appreciative. And I'm speechless. I'm just really happy for our players and for our school. When talking about PC basketball, especially in the past decade, our luck when playing at Marquette typically isn't the best, um, also with our play as well. So, of course, we have an at Marquette game in which we came up short by 11 points, only scoring 50 at the old Bradley Center. Kev, what are some things that you remember about the Marquette game? Yeah, Bill, if you'll remember, it wasn't just that they lost to Marquette. They used to get killed under there, like the old Buzz Williams teams. And you look back, like we didn't know how good these guys were going to be in the NBA, but like Jimmy Butler was there and Jay Crowder. And it just felt like PC was always getting manhandled. Um, I think the quick kind of tidbits on this one were PC scored 14 points in the first half and they were five for 28 shooting. It was kind of crazy, uh, but they were down 19 early. They went a big 16, nothing run. And, um, you know, the big score in that one was LaDante. He had 18 points all in the second half. Um, he really led the charge. But, again, they hadn't beaten Marquette since 2007. Uh, we're going way back, Bill. It's uh, Herb Hill, right? 23 points, nine rebounds, seven blocks there. Um, I don't know if it was there in the dunk, I should say. I know against them he had a huge game. But um, it just felt like more of the same against Marquette. That was one of those teams that just felt like they had PC's number for the longest time. 100%. 
uh, remember the big guys on this Marquette squad, uh, Devontae Gardner and Chris O'Toole, um, <laughs> just big bodies, one with Rex specs, one without <laughs> uh, the Wilsons, Derek Wilson, Jamel Wilson. But as you mentioned, LaDante, 8-10 here in this game, really came up clutch in the second half. Bryce always just rock solid, you know, 20 points um, and 11 rebounds from Tyler Harris. Got to shout out my guy, Tyler Harris, since I'm showing him so much love in this pod series. So, yeah, not not so great performance from the Friars out in the road in Milwaukee. But, of course, when we typically go to Milwaukee, we typically go to Chicago before or after. And we take a nice little win here at the former All-State Arena. Uh, 77-72. Kev, what were some things you remembered about the DePaul game? It's funny, Bill. We were talking before we, we recorded. And, you know, as diehard Big East guys, I feel like I remember so many of these players from the other teams. This DePaul roster, we can run through it. I mean, I remember Brandon Young and Tommy Hamilton, but the other names, the starters, Edwin McGee, no recollection. Darrell McDonald, don't remember. Greg Seguil, don't remember at all. So it's kind of funny. I, I don't remember much about this this DePaul team, but Bryce had a big game. Um, to that point in the season, that was season high. He had 28 points. Um, so that actually pushed PC into sole possession of third place, which is a place they hadn't really been to um, that late in the season in a while. Um, they also got, again, uh, LaDante, 19, Tyler Harris, 18. So um, good supporting scoring there. But I think this is the point in the season, too, where Bryce was really taking off scoring-wise. I couldn't name any of those DePaul players for the life of me. This was not Billy Garrett Jr. This was not Max Struss. This is not Paul Reed. This is not, you know, Freeman Liberty. Like, I have no idea who was on this roster at this point. And it was why, of course, you know, DePaul has is, is had the lack of success it has over the recent years. So nice win for the Friars on the road. Got to take care of games that you must win. And I'm going to take this next game, St. John's. I mean, it really can't be understated enough how – the rivalry in this new big East was really PC and St. John's to start, obviously Creighton, like, like, you know, in, in their battle for um, the big East title, but St. John's and PC is, you know, I love this rivalry. And unfortunately I didn't love this result back at the dunk, uh, 10 point loss, 86, 76. Th this team was long. This St. John's team was long. They were athletic. They could really get after people. They weren't afraid of people. And, 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 you know, Kev, what did you think about the potential of playing St. John's in the Big East tournament after, after you know, a couple rounds in the ring with them? Yeah, St. John's was a team people forget now, but that was the team no one wanted to play going to the Big East. And being at that point of where PC was, this kind of like, what was me feeling from the fan base? The feeling was like, you know, again, we're a few weeks away, but they got St. John's in the first round. The feeling was like, great. We, we got the hottest team in the league because St. John's, we mentioned earlier, they started 0-5, right? When they lost to PC in double overtime, they were desperate. They needed to win. That loss dropped them to 0-5, which was crazy because they were on sheer talent, maybe not as a cohesive team, but on talent. They were probably the most talented team in the league. Um, but this win here over PC um, was their, I think, fourth straight. Um, and they were during a, in a stretch where they'd won nine of 10 games. So they were playing really, really well at this point. Um, the big thing I remember here is St. John's really controlled the first half. They had 53 points at the half, at halftime, they were up 16 and they shot 61% from the field. But, um, again, PC kind of similar to the Marquette loss. They ripped off a, another 16 to nothing run and Bryce was awesome. Um, uh, that second half, he went nuts. 
he had he had 32 points six assists four boards the 32 points were a uh, big east career high i think we mentioned earlier he had 33 against boston college on the road the year before here's cotton for three got it right on two cotton puts it high off the glass and cotton gets fouled and hits the three jordan up in the air turnover Shot. Well, he wants to get D'Angelo back in the game. Cotton for three. Oh! Twenty-nine for Cotton. And now the timeout for Steve Lavin and St. John's. Listen to the Dunkin' Donuts Center. But um, you know, I think they cut the lead down to maybe six with like eight minutes to go. It just felt like they were going to carry the momentum, but. Just didn't have enough, but again, they got 15 and 10 for Kadeem, but, um, you know, that that was just kind of St. John's playing really well at the time and PC trying to to make up some ground. But the one thing that I think fans will remember, Bill, um, which we talked to Carson about, was at the very end of the game, Sir Dominic Pointer went up for a dunk where typically teams are dribbling off the clock, and he goes up for a dunk. Carson gives him a pretty hard foul. There's some shoving. There's some words, and you can tell there's some nastiness there between the two teams. I don't remember. I think we were still in the midst of a comeback there, um, unless that was, you know, him kind of showboating. But that was, you know, pretty quickly on in, in, in 2013, 2014, right? My role became that that defensive stopper. Um, and, and you know, no easy buckets. Um, he, he, you know, went up for that, went up for that dunk. And, and I'm not going to let him, I'm not going to let him do that, you know? Again, I don't remember if the game was won or not. I think it may, I think it may have been, he might've been showboating a little bit, but especially on our home floor and knowing that we're going to play them or we have a chance to play them again, that that's not going to, that's not going to go. And uh, I remember, you know, my teammates being supportive of, of that, you know, decision it wasn't a dirty play, you know, I still went up for the block, but I think, you know, some guys definitely got into it afterwards. Definitely remember that play. And one thing about Bryce to just kind of, bring it full circle is I think Bryce's junior year would have some games where he'd not disappear um, scoring wise, but you know, in Big East play, things would get a little bit tougher for him. Right. I mean, six of 10 from three, 32 points, like, you know, just shows again, how Bryce evolved his game and like was kind of just able to prove himself as, as a Big East first team, you know, all, all type player taking it to taking it to the next level here as we pretty much round out the last five games in the biggie schedule we had the villanova double overtime loss at the dunk i mean this this game was certainly certainly a classic one of those where you felt like the team with the ball in the last possession was going to take it you know for this villanova team this is ryan archie diacono this was uh javon pinkston who's probably again one of the more underrated uh villanova guys uh, that we don't talk about in the stratosphere of jay wright uh deron hilliard oshefu um, and James Bell. Kev, what do you remember about this thriller uh, between Villanova and Providence? So a couple of things just on Villanova. Um, they were ninth in the country. They were 22 and three coming in. Um, but, you know, this was like the start of their real rise to a national power. Um, obviously, you know, they had a final four run, uh, what, like five years earlier, but they had a bit of a dip too. And this, this was kind of that, the start of Jay Wright kind of, 
reclaiming his roster and his style of play. Um, and they were playing great, obviously. But I real I felt like this was where things really there's a lot of turning points in the season that seem like you know the win at St. John's, the win over Creighton. But I I felt like this was where things really started to come into place, even even though they lost. Um, it was an 82-79 game. It was a great game. Uh, Kadim had 21-11. Fortune had 16. Harris had 15 and 12. Um, Cotton played 50 minutes, right? So it was such a memorable game. Um, Bill, if you remember, late in that game, we just saw clutch plays. Like LaDonta hit a three to tie it with 22 seconds to go. Not letting Providence try the three. Hitting though with Batson setting a screen. Great ties the game. And LaDonta had a heave at half at half court that just missed that would have won it yeah that, that double overtime game at home I, I like most games you know especially home games I remember the crowd um you know just shot shot making after shot making you mentioned it right Ladante had a couple of big ones I know Bryce had a couple of big ones um yeah you know Villanova you know as everybody knows a really tough matchup for a lot of college basketball teams because they play so many guys that are skilled and, and, and essentially play the same position. You know, I don't, I, I don't really want to call it small ball, but it's, it's some version of that. And, you know, they were having a year and, and they came into our place and, and, you know, we needed a win at that point. It was, you know, I think that was later towards, you know, the end of the biggie season. And that, that the, the, I, I just remember, you know, shot make shot making after shot making. Um, you know, big, big shots. And then they'd go down and hit one and then we'd be down by three. We have to go hit one. We hit one. Um, and yeah, that, that double overtime, you know, anytime you lose in overtime, you know, never mind double overtime is, is a little, a little deflating because you put so much effort into trying to come out on top there. But, you know, again, that, that's a game too, where we can take the positives and kind of, if we do see them again in the biggest tournament, you know, we can we can kind of take what went well. You don't you don't focus on the negatives in in, in the video room, and and you know we ended up not playing them, but you know we could have taken some things from that game that would have worked well. Bill, you might remember that that uh, Bryce Cotton reverse layup. They were down a point like you know under a minute to go, and Bryce had a crazy reverse. Here is Cotton. Cotton going in reverse layup. What a play! And I was gonna say right. Like I was talking about before, we hadn't seen Josh Fortune's name come up on the stat sheet. Four or five from three, 16 points. You know, like this is exactly what we needed towards the back half of the Big E schedule to kind of establish, you know, that ability to get upward into the, you know, high 70s, low, low 80s. Um, and, and Tyler, 15 points, 12 rebounds, right? This is exactly what we needed. Um, from from some key guys in the starting lineup this game was all starters this game was you know the ability to kind of hang in there with the perennial power and as you mentioned this this Villanova team was kind of the definition of of, of the start of the of the run yeah it's, it's interesting Bill too you look at Villanova's bench that night Chris Jenkins and Josh Hartford had combined nine minutes you know those guys your future national champions who are who are barely playing um but really, you know, it just came down to, like you said, who had the ball last, right? So it goes to double overtime. Um, Kadeem had a huge tip, and they were down three with about a minute 15 to go. That made it a one-point game. Um, and then with, like, 30 seconds to go, Bryce had a great look. They're down three. 
He back rims it. Ladante comes out of nowhere, grabs the offensive rebound. Ladante shows great poise. He gathers it, kind of holds it, gets trapped, pitches out to Bryce. He hits a three. Tie game again with 24 seconds to go. Defense to hit the pass. Providence down by three. Cotton misses the three. But there's Hinton with the offensive board. And Cotton's going to try again from three. And he hits. What a great pass by Hinton in that situation. And then, you know, Villanova being Villanova, they get the matchup they want. They get Arch against Kadeem um, isolated. And at that point, Kadeem, and Kadeem has said in the past, just kind of dead legs at that point. You know, he's playing huge minutes. I forget. Bill, do you, can you see how many minutes Kadeem had that, at that point? I think what he played 48 minutes. So if you're yeah. a big man, you're, you're isolated with Arch anyway. It's going to be hard. Um, Archer Diacono gets an and one off with five seconds to go. But what was crazy is PC had, I think, four or five seconds to go inbounding the ball. Uh, and they got a great look. They, they got the ball to Carson by center court. He dishes it to Bryce. Bryce finds that Dante was left alone for a corner three. That just, again, probably legs, hits front rim. PC loses by three. I mean, if he hit that shot, it's in a triple overtime. I think the place would have absolutely lost it. You do. What do I you foul. Do? I foul right there. And they didn't. And there's hitting for three. And that'll do it. But not sure what you remember from that game. But for me, I felt like even though it was a loss and they were desperate for wins, they played at a really high level from that point going forward. It seemed like they kind of carried that over. And I'm not sure if they got a confidence boost from that game or if they were just in desperation with late in the season. But it felt like from this point on, it was just a higher level of play. Well, how much does it, in terms of scope of the season and, and, and placement going into you know the end of the Big East, does it remind you of the Villanova game this past year, 21-22, right? Like, even though it was at, at Villanova and we were down a player, uh, like, it still had the same sort of ramifications of, okay, we can play with the absolute best and we can kind of, you know, parlay that into, uh, into a, a, you know, a deep postseason run. So, funny how things kind of, um, you know, repeat itself in Big East history. Um, and, 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 yeah, and it, it just, you know, shout out to Villanova for being, you know, the elite program it's been for so long. Uh, Coach Cooley actually kind of brought it up at Big East Media Day and, you know, how they kind of set the standard. but. It was our standard to take as, as, as we began um, the new Big East. And then we ventured over to the Rock in Newark, New Jersey, to take on not really the most thriving Seton Hall team. Great timing for us there. 74-69, of course, when we're talking about Seton Hall, I believe we, you know, we, we mentioned it before. Sterling Gibbs um, was you know obviously a huge piece of what they were doing. Um, 20 points from him. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, Seton Hall was reverting back to the old Big East ways, and we were ascending upward into the new Big East ways and then sort of creating a new brand for ourselves. As we have Bryce Cotton with 24 points, we had Kadeem Bats with 14 and 11, and we had a nice showing from Ladante with 13 and 8. I just, I, I thought, you know, to kind of come back, um, you know, after three losses down, get three get three wins as we're about to close out here that it really showed the resilience of the team and like and like we were mentioning kind of coming together at the right time yeah so bill the other thing about this game too this was their 19th win right so they're on a little winning streak here and we forget because they've won 20 games so consistently under cooley um but this brought them to within one game of 20 wins which they hadn't done since 2004 um 
So even getting to that, and it's, you know, with all the advanced metrics now, it feels different. But for the longest time, it felt like if you're a high major team, you can get to 20 wins, like you're a tournament team. So that always felt like kind of a magical number. Um, and Seton Hall, I feel like they, it seems like they've always played well there since the Big East realigned. Um, I feel like they've had some really good success there. Um, and once again, they, you know, Kadeem, 14 and 11. I thought he had a tough matchup. Phil, if you'll remember um, Gene Teague, he was kind of like their wide-bodied big guy. He had 17 and 12 in this game. And he was a tough matchup for smaller teams. He was kind of a short, really powerful post player who was tough. And I thought him and Sterling Gibbs are both pretty tough players. Uh, they weren't the deepest team, but that duo made them at least somewhat dangerous. So this brings us to senior night. Wow. Kev, we're just going to take the listeners back to what that night was at the Dunkin' Donuts Center against Marquette, right? Of course we have Marquette for this moment. Uh, March 4th, 2014. We'll never forget it. Um, remember Bryce coming out to the song, the, you know, the man by Aloe Black, you know, feeling the chills, uh, you know, just feeling like the team, like I said at the beginning of, of, of this podcast or this pod series, is like you had a bunch of guys who felt like their careers were incomplete or they were striving for something greater. And at this point, at 20 and 10, or about to be 20 and 10, they had achieved something. Again, no team had achieved since 2004, and they were ready to do even more. They, weren't, they obviously weren't satisfied there, but they were able to kind of achieve something in the regular season that you know, at least brought a smile to their face um, on senior night here. Uh, Kev, what do you remember, aside from the stats, about the emotion of the senior night? Yeah, you know, it, it seemed like that final stretch, they really had to win every game coming down the stretch leading into this was their home finale, and they played at Creighton for the final game of the season. And it felt like they needed, after they dropped that Villanova game, needed to win these three games at Butler, at Seton Hall, and now Marquette coming home. And, you know, the Villanova game, as much as in hindsight we see, like they turned things around, after, even though it was a loss, they kind of got hot. It wasn't an easy road. You know, Cooley always says it's hard to win on the road in the Big East, which it is. So you've got at Butler, at Seton Hall, and Marquette, who you haven't beaten in seven, eight years coming in. And the energy, you know, we've got amazing crowds now at the Dunk, and there have always been good crowds there. But this was a really special night because this felt like the Villanova crowd was really good. But this one, the energy just felt totally different. Going into that game, we knew – we had to win. Uh, we had to win that game, and I think we had to win two in the Big East tournament to get a potential um, guaranteed seed. Or like we were so close to the bubble, and I mean, I think Bryce probably could have willed himself. Himself, he could have won that game. Like between him and Kadeem, these guys were they would have done anything. It was just a culmination of all the work they'd put in. So walking into that, that game, it was, man, we were kind of a joking team. There wasn't that much joking going on that day. That was, we need to get this done. Um, and then, yeah, ultimately double overtime game. When he hit that shot, I remember almost crying thinking, is this how my career is going to like, are we going to my last year? last game is going to be on a three-quarter court buzzer beater um but yeah that that i mean that kind of spiraled us into the tournament play too because we knew hey this is what 
every single game from here on out, people are going to be battling for their tournament. And it's, we're seniors. This is like all we got. Right. So that one, yeah, that was a, a, a fun memory, especially when my cousin then went to Marquette. The place was absolutely rocking. And then the game was amazing. Double overtime, 81 to 80 win. And it wasn't just double overtime. There was just such like high level shot making. That's what I remember um, from that one. Obviously, there's some plays that stand out, but it was just this like back and forth game where it wasn't like, you know, sometimes you win a game because eventually one team runs out of gas in double overtime. There were big plays to like the very last second of the game. It was really a classic. A couple things to note, Bryce Cotton, 25 points, nine assists. LaDante played his butt off, 20 points, 16 rebounds, including five offensive rebounds, and Carson, five blocks. Car- Carson was a huge part of this win, um, if you want to talk about kind of some of those plays down the stretch, Kev. Yeah, I mean, well, to your point, too, Carson had such an impact. You know, he, he really did. Seven boards, five blocks. Um, he was great. I think the one player, Bill, you've been mentioning recently is Josh Fortune. So Josh had two huge plays. He had a four-point play with about eight minutes to go, and PC goes up 11 at that point, and the place is going nuts, and you're figuring PC is going to cruise, right? Um, so that's ignited. Carson comes up with a big block. They go in transition. They get a corner three to Josh. Four-point play, all the momentum in the world. And the killer in that game for PC was Todd Mayo. And, and Bill, we talked about him a little bit before we started recording. Uh, Mayo was a really good guard at this point. I believe he was a senior. No, he must have been younger. Um, but Mayo was really talented. And he's a guy who um, wasn't from this area, but he went to prep school at Notre Dame Prep. And he was a guy that PC recruited going back to the Keno Davis days. Um, he was actually a teammate, teammates with Ricky Lido on this really loaded Notre Dame Prep squad. Um, it was Todd Mayo, it was Ricky Lido, it was Miles Davis who went to Xavier. It was Ken Birch, who was McDonald's All-American in the NBA still um, for Pittsburgh. So they they were pretty loaded. And But I loved Mayo's game in, in high school. And um, he didn't become like a true superstar in college, but he was a really good scorer. In this game, he had so many answers. But um, just getting back to the game, Bell, I'm not sure if there are any specific plays that stand out to you but I have some in my mind, but I'd love to hear, you know, what stands out to you, what you remember most from that game. Well, like you mentioned, I, I, I just think that there was no team that ran out of gas. Right. Uh, and, and, and the, the, the Devonte Gardner shot is, is something that certainly, certainly resonates with me. They were tough too, man. Devonte was a big body. Like yeah, yeah. we had no answers for that dude, man. Nobody did. He was, he was, he was big time. But I just remember that game. It was just so fast paced and up and down. It was up and down, man. And like they will make a big play. We will make a big play. It was like ongoing, like never ending. That felt like that game was like 60 minutes, man. Like it was it was long, very long game. But um, yeah, it was it was good, man. I remember like it was yesterday. I just wanted to go out there and just make plays and, and make the plays for for our seniors. Cause I knew it was their their last game. So I just want I, I wanted them to go out on top. So I know I was just gonna go out there and, and play my heart out, especially for Cotton and Kadeem. Those guys, I, I learned a lot from them coming in as a freshman and they were sophomores. And we kind of did this thing together. You know what I mean? Built this thing together and it was they were they were leaving me soon. So 
I wanted to have him in in their regular season at the dunk with a bang. I believe it was Kadeem, you know, in, in embracing Ladante at at center court, correct? Yeah, after the game. Um, after the game, that that I mean, just an emotional moment where it was like the theme of Kadeem for me is is just is just a, a you know how how he rose his stock from the beginning of the season to you know truly being one of Coach Cooley's guys and embracing literally coach Cooley's guy at the end coming together in this magical moment where it's like, Hey, you know, we, we, we did it. We were able to do something special. Now let's go. Now let's, you know, let's take this last regular season home game at Creighton, which is going to be nothing easy. And let's take this to another level. Yeah. That, that, that hug, I remember that, that hug at the half court, that emotion of it, just, I was ready to transfer multiple times. You know, it was, yep. um, it, it wasn't always, a, it wasn't a, a smooth road um, having a new coach, and getting coached by a coach you didn't get recruited by. And nowadays, guys transfer left and right. So for me, I really fought through it. Me and Cotton were the ones who really, like, were there through seeing the worst, seeing the lowest of it, and then seeing that moment. So for me, that all hit me at once after that game where I was like, all right, thank you, God, in terms of, like, allowing me to see the, you know, the low part and the high part of the program in terms of, like, something we haven't done in a while in that in that moment. For me with the senior night, it was more about being so grateful for the opportunity to attend Providence College, so grateful they took the chance on me and realizing how fast my four years went by and to know like, okay, this is, a, this is my last time playing in this arena. Got to give it everything you know you have and hopefully you come out with a win. But it just felt so good because I think after that game, I was able to kind of flash back and look at my whole journey uh, in my four years at that school. Um, and probably it reminded me the most of the friendships I, I had with security guards from just asking them to open the gym up late for me, night in and night out. So I, I'd really come a long way in a short time at that school. So it was so great to get that win. Yeah, Bill, what I thought was interesting too is, you know, so much was made of senior night. You know, this is the last game for, a lot of the guys, you know, we mentioned Lee Goldsboro and Kafani earlier, but obviously Bryce ends up with 25 points, nine assists and seven boards. And Kadeem had a big game as well. But also, you know, Carson made a great point when we talked to him saying that this is really important to the underclassmen, right? They wanted to send their seniors out on a high note. Carson had five blocks. You know, LaDonta had 20 points and 16 rebounds. So that was just a monster effort. Yeah, and that, you know, that feeling of, of senior night, at whatever level you're playing, right? High school, college is, is always, you know, you play for your seniors because you have, you know, the underclassmen have years left. And those seniors, whether they go on and play basketball, you know, in the future or not, that's it. You know, you're never going to play in the dunk again. Um, so, so, you know, to give those guys that memory was, was pretty special. Um, you know, unfortunately, 2015, I remember we lost to Butler my senior night, which, you know, um, would have been nice to get a win, but, um, it, you know, for those guys, for, for Kadeem, for Bryce to, to go out and, and be able to have that nice memory of getting honored and, and coming out with the, with the W is, is pretty special. And again, we mentioned Josh Fortune. Um, he had two four-point plays in the end of um, or coming down the second half, right? He had one that I mentioned earlier. And then Josh had another four-point play that you thought basically sealed the game. They were down by a point with 25 seconds to go. Kadeem gets the ball inside, draws a double team, kicks out to Josh, corner three, hits it, gets fouled. So they go up three. Swing it instead of Fortune. Bats, seven to shoot. 
Fortune. Three. And then they kind of make a blunder on the next possession. I think it was Josh who fouled Todd Mayo um, on a three-point attempt. Mayo made all three. Um, and then, Bill, you mentioned it, Devontae Gardner. Um, he grabs a, a cotton miss, chucks up a 75-footer. He swishes it. Everyone in Marquette goes absolutely crazy. And Evan in Providence is sitting there waiting to see if it actually counted. Loose! Marquette's got it and will go! Ed Cooley recalls it as one of the more emotional games that he's ever coached, and we chat with him about that. It's, it's year three. You're trying to build your program. You know, you're building it for your city. You're building it for the state, your fan base, your students. You know, we felt some excitement coming behind it. Um, to beat a quality team like that in the fashion of which we did, you know, being down and then having to tie it up and, you know, get a jump ball, I, you, you know, it's something about playing at the Dunkin' Donuts Center something special is going to happen. I don't think you're ever out of a game at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. It's just something unique. It's something about the smell. It's something about the sideline, the sight line, the passion, the history. God is on our side a lot at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. And it was a great, great milestone to, you know, to have your first 21 season in a while, to get the fans behind you, to let them know, well, maybe, maybe, Maybe they can do a good job with our program. And what do you remember about the Devontae Gardner 70-footer they put in? I mean, when you were watching in real time, did you think that was good or were you not so sure? I said, I hope it's not good. <laughs> I didn't think it was based on I heard the buzzer than, than the release. And it's a bang, bang moment. You know what I mean? But I'm like, oh, please don't be good. Please don't be good. I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday when he let that thing go because he was a load to handle in there. Good, good player, good team. And of course, to end the 2014 Big East regular season, we had to make a trip to Omaha and face the Creighton Blue Jays on Doug McDermott senior night. No easy task. You all know how those people in Omaha like to party. There were five players who suited up for Creighton on Doug McDermott senior night, but the other four could have just literally stood there as Greg McDermott, you know, probably watched with, with glee the whole time. Doug McDermott, 45 points. I mean, 12 of 18 from the field, five of seven from three was just an insane effort, you know, to kind of cap off his story career at Creighton. Kev, did we want, did we want to see Creighton again after that? I didn't mind seeing them again because there's actually a bit of history in college basketball where these teams who kind of get blown up by one team end up seeing them again in postseason um, and pulling up there. I think there's a little bit of a mental letdown there. So I didn't mind it. What's interesting, Bill, that you say that this is one of, this is the only time I ever traveled with the team. And, um, you know, <laughs> these are things you, you don't, you don't realize when you're, when you're watching at home, but just the travel to Omaha. So we went, it was an eight o'clock game. Um, you know, you wait, you get in the flight. We didn't get back into TF Green until like five in the morning. And I remember I'm just sitting there waiting for uh, Craig Bellhumor, who I was uh, on the trip with. And we're kind of waiting in the airport. I forget what he was getting. I was waiting for him. And Ed Cooley's son is there. He's probably like 
I don't know, 16 at the time. And I just remember him saying like, we're going to get him again. I, we're going to beat him. We're going to see him again. We're going to get him again. And I, I don't know why I always remember that. <laughs> That's uh, absolutely amazing. <laughs> in the moment, I'm like half awake. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't slept in about, you know, over 24 hours. I was exhausted. I was like, okay. Um, but just to set the scene, I mean, that there's just certain games. Like I think of that that PC game against Creighton this year when 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 Creighton came in and Providence had a chance to win their first Big East regular season. Like there's just certain games that like you're pretty much just not gonna win. And I remember being in Omaha and it's a different world. The people are so nice out there and the arena is massive and it was a really cool scene. They're so welcoming, but the local paper that morning, they had an article basically saying there needs to be a statue built of Doug McDermott and it should be done now. I mean, at that point he was going for 3000 points. He had 22 in the first half, 45 in the game. And it was just one of those nights where like, I mean, if it wasn't against Providence, I would have really enjoyed being there and experiencing it because it was, it was an experience. It was actually a really, you know, in hindsight and how things worked out, it was a cool thing to see and be a part of. Dougie McDermott, man, he was a bad boy, a bad boy. He was like a tough matchup for us. Probably a tough matchup for everybody in college basketball at the time. Yeah. But he was just so good, man. He was always a threat to score the ball. Like he was never in chill mode. He was always a threat, like to shoot it. To, to take you off the dribble, to post up, offensive rebounds. Like, however you can score the basketball, he was able to score the basketball. That's why he what made him so tough and so tough to guard. And just that Creighton rivalry was good, man. Like, they played with pace. Uh, they got a lot of threes up. They was playing five-out basketball. And we just had to, to, to rug it out with them, man. And just hopefully at the end of the game, it's, it's, we win. That's what it came down to. Creighton senior night. Uh, all I can remember, obviously, everybody knows Doug got his 3,000 point on us. But he put up 45 on us. And everybody, everybody's upset, you know, because we got blown out and all that. And now we're getting ready to prepare for the uh, Big East tournament. But Chris is just nonstop letting us have it about what Doug did to us that night. And like, you know, he's always cracking jokes and all that. So that just kind of rings loud in my head of all the different jokes he was saying about Doug scoring 45 and, and the, <laughs> the different ways um, he was scoring his baskets. That, that definitely brings a smile to my face. I know Buck remembers <laughs> that for sure. I don't even know if Chris remembers all the things he was saying, but the whole bus ride, like just letting us have it with joke <laughs> after joke. That senior night was just like a movie uh, for uh, at Creighton, his ability to score. He's just, you know, uh, it, it was lights out. It was just one of those where he just went went crazy, you know. Uh, but, yeah, that's what I remember, just him shooting lights out. You know, at 20 and 11, we were just underneath where we should be to, to feel confident about going into the NCAA tournament. And I think that's potentially why we saw PC do what they did in the Big East tournament. So let's take it to Madison Square Garden. First round, March 13th, 2014. Two teams we've talked about a lot in this pod series have been Creighton and St. John's. Playing St. John's in their backyard, no easy task, but as we know, Friar, Friar Town South lives in New York City. I remember this game like it was yesterday. Just to come back from that spring break time period, oh man, what a good time in life. You know, just thinking if we could get past St. John's in this first round, what could lie ahead, right? 
And and then comes the legend of the mystery of Josh Fortune. It's just like this man, just when we needed him, absolutely comes out of his shoes, goes four of seven from three, four of six from the field, 24 points. Fortune for three, got it. That's a deep three by Fortune. And now he has his confidence going. He's knocked down a couple deep threes. Fortune, aggressive take to the hoop off the glass and gets the roll. Cotton against Jordan. Fortune for three. Got it. Big shot by Josh Fortune. Now they're running their flex offense. They get it down screen again. Fortune again. Fortune's got the hot hand. They're getting it to him. The deep three. And it's just our unsung hero making like making three point field goals in between the three point line and half court. I will never forget him setting his feet. He had that angled setup on his feet and just launching to to the surprise of the commentators from Fox Sports One in their first year. I think he had twenty seven in that game. What was it was up there? I mean, I'm just like. I'm like, we got to, you know, he's having one of those games, guys. So when in our designs, you know, in timeouts and coming, you know, in our play calling, we wanted to try to get him as many open looks as we can because it was so much attention on Cotton, so much attention on Kadeem and, and LaDante. I mean, he just, I mean, he carried us. You know, if we don't have Josh on our roster, we're, we're not Biggie's champions. You know, it, 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 was, it was great for him, was great for us, and I was very happy for him. I remember Josh played probably his best game of the season and it was at the right time you know he played terrific shot the ball amazing and he just seemed so confident out there and um I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why he was hitting all his shots because he wasn't really over giving himself a chance to overthink he was just playing off his natural instincts and his feel for the game and I think he had about 24 points or something like that so we needed every single bit of it but Josh carried us that game for sure. That's probably what stands out to me the most. Kev, what do you remember about that St. John's PC game at the Garden? Yeah, so just a level set. So that one, St. John's, we mentioned earlier, they were coming in really hot, right? They started 0-5 in the conference, and they had gone 11-3 in their last 14 games. And you're looking at their losses. Two of those three losses were one-possession losses. Villanova and Creighton were both top 10 to 15 teams. So... They were playing really well, and Providence was seen as the underdog, and it, it really felt like a playing game for both teams. Um, you know, you worry about that matchup just because of the sheer talent of St. John's, um, and it was a, so many swings in that game, right? So St. John's goes up early, um, and then Providence, Providence was trailing uh, 29 to 22 in the first half. And then they go on a little eight nothing run late in the first half. Josh Fortune's a three, Henton hits a three. Um, and then for a stretch in the Big East, PC played their get best against St. John's. They started bullying them inside and they started bullying them um, in the second half of this one. And boy, there was a stretch for the first probably 15 minutes of the second half where I don't know if Providence played better all year. They went way up 63 to 46. Um, LaDante gets a big bucket, like an and one or something, with like six minutes to go. Hanson gets fouled and the bucket. And it felt like ballgame. Put up 17 with 630 to go. And then St. John just makes this furious comeback. 
Um, and it was just another battle with those guys. I mean, those guys were really talented. They were tough. They were going right at us. We knew the game was never over. I remember they went on a run and we just made plays. Josh Fortune, especially, man, he hit some big shots, some big shots. And that was like his coming out party. Like, I felt like he kind of found himself that game and, and that was, was, was going to be who he was the rest of his career. Um, I, it was a, it was a good game and we pulled it out, man. We just we just had the toughness to pull it out. You know, Kadeem had a big shot. It was a sixty-seven to sixty-four game with like two minutes to go, and Kadeem hits a shot to put him back up five. But St. John's got it all the way to a one-point game. I remember, I remember, Bill. I don't know if you remember this play. There was a play where Jakara Sampson just totally took Josh Fortune's head off. It was like a long pass down the court, and he killed him. And it led to free throws that cut the cut it to a one-point game. And then it, with about 40 seconds to go, St. John's gets a stop. And I think probably the most underrated play of the season, definitely the most underrated defensive play of the season, Carson comes out of nowhere and he blocks either a dunk or a layup attempt um, to keep PC up by one. Cotton had it blocked. Harrison has it. Up ahead for Sampson. Jordan back to Sampson. And then he grabs the rebound, and basically St. John's St. John's didn't recover from there. St. John's thought they had a steal on the next possession. It was called a foul. Since Bryce to the free throw, line, free throw line, PC goes up three. Josh Fortune blocks a, a Harrison three-point attempt. PC gets the board, ball game. But again, that that block by Carson, no one really remembers it, but it basically saved their tournament hopes. It was a, it was a huge huge play. Providence versus St. John's dates back to way back in the day. So I think it's always something there with playing St. John. Um, I don't know, but that that particular team, they had some, um, yeah, they had the, uh, who was the big kid they had, number 14. Um, he ended up playing in the league a little while. Oh, uh, Jakar Sampson. Jakar Sampson. Jakar Sampson. Me and him personally had like a lot of, we were doing a lot of trash talking back and forth. <laughs> Uh, the, that was the guy that was talking the most I can remember. And they had D'Angelo Harrison too at point guard. He talked a lot too. Yep. Uh, so yeah, no, nah, they just had a bunch of guy, gritty guys and tough minded guys like we had. So I think that's where the clash came. We weren't, they, they had guys that weren't backing down and we had that too. I had a good friend who went to St. John's and he would always say as a Providence fan, you're never allowed to complain. St. John's has, has never made it to a, a second weekend in the new big east isn't that isn't that like i'm pretty sure that's that's factual it um, is yep yeah that that's really sad to think about right for such a story brand uh carson was huge in this game like with you know 10 rebounds and eight points and four blocks like orlando sanchez and chris obeck but were not easy matchups and and you know i thought this is really where carson was kind of able to bring things together um off the bench as well as just another just another double double for Ladante and Kadeem in this one so so we move on to the second round of the Big East tournament which is never a guarantee in the old Big East and an ally a former Big East bottom dweller as well Seton Hall starting to come into their own a little bit work back working backwards to a 500 record takes down Villanova in the second round of the Big East tournament. This is exactly why we play at the world's most famous arena. And even the great Bryce Cotton, who would never change his mindset or change his demeanor for any game, said to LaDante, if we can get past Seton Hall, 
we can win this whole thing. If I can remember, I think Buck had like 26 and 10 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he played, he played terrific. And I, I would say the biggest thing about that Big East tournament, which just kind of, I guess, reemphasizes how much of a team we were, is that throughout all three different games, there was one player that stood out and they were all different players. So it just kind of showed the depth that we had where, you know, anybody on any given night could kind of carry us in a different way um, to help us continue to keep progressing. Because even though we had the 20 wins or whatever, we still weren't a shoe in for the NCAA tournament. So all of these games were literally do or die for us. So Josh stepping up and having a hell of a game, we needed it. Buck, playing out of his mind with the, you know, 20 plus point double, double, we needed every bit of that too. And um, we were definitely so grateful. Uh, I'm forever grateful for uh, what is his name? I can't think of his name. Some Sterling Gibbs, him hitting that game winner. <laughs> I remember it was, I either looked at Buck or I looked at Kadeem because we were going up to play St. John's um, right after that. I said, Leo, all we have to do is get past St. John's and we can get to the Big East tournament. I mean, we can get to the Big East championship because they just knocked out our kryptonite. So the stars is kind of aligning for us. So I do remember that. And um, when Buck had that monster game and we was going back to the Big East championship and to obviously have the tiebreaker versus Creighton again, you know, we won one. They demolished us probably a week before that. It was like, okay, well, what better story could it be than to get the tiebreaker in, in the championship? So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun brewing up for that, and we were all geeks for sure. Kev, an 80-74 to 74 win for the Providence Friars in round two of the first year of the New Big East. What I remember about this game, there's only one good player on Seton Hall I remember. It's Fuquan Edwin. Uh, he had He's 20 good. points. And he was good. He's a good player. Um, but at the end of the day, but Dante, when we need him, senior night, very reminiscent game of senior night, 26 points, 14 rebounds, Bryce with 18, and Tyler Harris with 17. Kev, what do you remember about PC winning this game in a fashion that probably had to have Creighton saying, oh, man, you know, I think PC can, can give us a little bit of a challenge in the title game. Yeah, so Bill, first of all, I've got more respect for Seton Hall than you do. But one good player is kind of rough. Um, I thought they had some decent players. Sharon Cena was a good young guard. Sterling Gibbs, you know, we didn't talk about how Seton Hall got here, right? Villanova's the top seed. Gibbs hits the buzzer beater against him um, the round before. And I think all of a sudden, PC going to their St. John's game was like, now we've got a real chance to make a run to the finals. So that, I think they felt like Seton Hall was a good matchup for them. Um but this is a LaDante game. I remember Gus Johnson um, had a great call about how LaDante was feeling it. As the Friars advance, and there's LaDante hitting. Hitting, top of the key. Oh, silencer. Defamation of character. LaDante. Oh, look at that. East Lansing, Michigan, folks. And with their two defense, which is pure zone, don't leave him alone. Oh, cradle. Well, Dante Hatton is in the zone. He can feel it. The Flyers can feel it. The Pirates.
Let's get feeling. Right, he hit a hit, maybe three or four threes in the second half. And again, it, it just kind of everything LaDante was, right? 26 points, 14 rebounds. He could beat you up inside. He could hit threes. And he just, he was awesome the whole tournament. If you look at, he was probably the most consistent player in this tournament. He was good in all three games. Um, you know, the St. John's game, Bryce was amazing all season. The St. John's game, the quarterfinals is like one of the rare games that Bryce didn't have a great shooting night. Um, and LaDante was really good in all, in all three games. I mean, LaDante's a hooper, man. He, you know, 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds. Just, he's going to do whatever you need. Whatever you need to be done on a basketball court, he's going to do it. Um, you know, that was the first tournament atmosphere in terms of playing a game back-to-back we had since the, since the Virgin Islands. Um, I specifically from that game remember being dead tired, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, Seton Hall felt the same. And, and at that point, once you're in tournament play, it's just, you know, you, you kind of just have to dig in and, 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 and get it done. Um, you know, LaDante, uh, just, just hooping, he, you know, he, he willed us, he willed us to a victory in that game. And, and I think, uh, you know, as that game kind of went on, if memory serves me, serves me right, you know, we just had more confidence and more confidence and we were able to, uh, you know, I think towards the end of that game, kind of, kind of get a little bit more comfortable um, after a really tight game for the first, you know, 30 minutes, 35 minutes. I felt like this Seton Hall game, they really controlled this one. Seton Hall made a couple runs at him, but it, it felt like PC was always in control. You know, I think St. John's, excuse me, Seton Hall had a couple of shots. Um, late to make it a little bit closer than it really was. Um, and LaDante, I remember, had a big and one um, with under two minutes to go. That basically felt like it sealed it. But uh, then you win that one. All of a sudden, we're at a place we hadn't been in, what, 20 years? The Big East Championship. And all of a sudden, you know, it, it was just – that's the fun thing about New York. You know, this thing can turn really quickly into a really special weekend for a certain team. And for PC, that felt like it. And to be honest, I thought at this point, PC's got 22 wins. I thought Creighton was house money. You know, I, I didn't think that – I thought they were into the tournament. I didn't think they had to beat Creighton to get in. And we found out later that they, they actually did. You know, the committee essentially came out and said if Providence had lost that game, um, they weren't getting in. Hey!